0: Hi, we've got three stories from curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about the friendly cloud of germs that surrounds you, why bosses don't encourage curiosity as much as they think they do, and why there's a tree in Georgia that owns itself.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosity on the award-winning Curiosity Daily that also owns itself. (laughs) You've probably heard of the microbiome. That's the collection of microscopic organisms that make their homes deep within your body. They're just as much your friend as they are your foe. Well, guess what? There's also a cloud of microorganisms that surrounds you everywhere you go. And we just developed a new way to explore it. This is so cool to me.
1: Yeah, it's super cool. It feels
0: like a power in a video game (laughs) where you have some kind of force field or aura around you.
1: Yeah, germ force field.
0: Yeah. The cloud of microorganisms hanging out around you is called your exposome, which is an awesome word. Anytime you exhale or scratch a patch of dry skin, say, you're adding to that invisible community of microorganisms. The cloud's actual composition will change based on your diet, your genes, your pets, and your hometown, among other things. So exposomes can be very different from one person to the next. In fact, a few years ago, researchers were able to perform experiments and collect the air in a room where people had been sitting... And their exposomes were so different, each person could be identified based on exposome data alone. Now calm down before you get all excited about the implications for the next season of CSI. This research was done in a sterilized environment, so a database of serial killer exposomes isn't going to happen anytime soon. But there's still a whole lot you can learn by identifying your little buddies. Researchers at Stanford have been able to build precise profiles of various people's microbial clouds using an ingenious repurposing of an air monitoring device. Because these air monitors clip right onto participants, the researchers were able to track environmental influences, seasonal changes, and any other particulate spikes. Because of the portability of the devices, this method could be used to gauge the health of a person's exposome outside of a laboratory setting. In other words, you could track your allergy flare-ups to specific changes in your exposome. No more blaming flower pollen for what the trees have done. In the meantime... I'll just be looking forward to research figuring out a way to attach rad LED lights to your exposome. I want to be like Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen.
1: (laughs) We almost hate to say it around here, but the word curiosity has become a bit of a buzzword. If you've looked for a new job lately, you've probably seen it come up in lots of job descriptions. They'll say, we welcome your curiosity, or you must have intellectual curiosity. But according to recent research highlighted in Harvard Business Review, Employees don't feel like they have as much freedom to be curious as their bosses think they do.
0: I gotta say, I love that we wrote about this, but talk about the least relevant thing to us personally we've ever written. (laughs) Does your boss encourage curiosity? (laughs) Looks around. (laughs) It's kind of my job. (laughs) (laughs) We're lucky, but not everybody else is. Yeah, we're in a good spot. I've definitely been in places where curiosity is not so encouraged.
1: For sure. So for a quick recap, curiosity is objectively good. Research has shown that curiosity makes people better at their jobs, it helps them learn and remember more, it makes them less prone to bias and stereotyping, and it makes them better at receiving feedback. So it's clearly in a company's best interest to foster a culture of curiosity. And some bosses think they're encouraging that, but they're not. Spencer Harrison of INSEAD just released a new study with Aaron Pincus and John Cohen of SurveyMonkey. They surveyed more than 23,000 people, including 16,000 mid- and lower-level employees and more than 1,500 C-suite executives. 83% of those higher-up executives said curiosity is encouraged a great deal or a good amount at their company. But only 52% of lower-level employees said the same. Likewise, 49% of C-level executives agreed with the statement, Being curious leads to earning more money. Whereas a whopping 81% of employees thought curiosity had no bearing on the money they make. Not good, but there's a fix. Harrison suggested this. Acknowledge that everyone is curious in some area of their life. If it's not at work, it might be in a favorite hobby or a side project. Then encourage employees to bring those interests to work. By identifying with their curious side at the office, employees are more likely to let that curiosity bleed over into their work responsibilities. Managers should also set a good example by being curious themselves. They need to ask questions with a sincere interest in the answers and admit when they don't know something. That's a scary idea when you want to look competent and in charge. But Francesca Gino of Harvard Business School assures us that asking questions makes people appear more competent, not less. Oh, and give employees time to explore their interests. It's hard to be curious with your boss breathing down your neck.
0: I mean, this does have limits. I was printing a cryptocurrency last year and I still can't get Curiosity Coin off the ground. (laughs) Today's episode is sponsored by Purple Mattress. Better sleep, better you. Better sleep, better you isn't just some tagline. If you don't sleep well, you're not gonna have a good time. Yep. When I come into work, if I'm supposed to work on an episode or two of this show and I'm well-rested, I can cover the better part of three or four episodes in a day, just kind of get things outlined and set up. If I don't sleep well, I'm lucky to get one episode done, and that's no bueno. If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a Purple Mattress.
1: The Purple Mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced, because it uses this brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It's not like the memory foam you're probably used to.
0: The Purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time, so it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you this zero-gravity-like feel, so it works for any sleeping position. Although the healthiest sleeping position is on your back. That's right. You're going to love purple. And right now, our listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text CURIOUS to 474747. The only way to get this free pillow is to text CURIOUS to 474747.
1: That's C-U-R-I-O-U-S to 474747.
0: Our last story today is about a tree called The Tree That Owns Itself. It's a tree in Athens, Georgia, and Ashley, guess who owns it?
1: Does it own it? It does! Wow! (laughs) How'd you guess? The power of language.
0: (laughs) It's so powerful indeed. This tree grew on a local family's land for hundreds of years, In the early 1800s, when Athens became an official city, it was the tallest tree in town. And around 1890, the tree made the local news for gaining its independence. The tree was owned by the family of William H. Jackson. He was a professor at the University of Georgia, and he had grown up with the tree and thought of it as kind of a friend. So legend has it, he gave the tree the legal deed and a circular plot of land around its trunk. Jackson's original deed has never actually been found, but there is a plaque at the foot of the tree that features an approximation of its text. Quote, "...for in and consideration of the great love I bear this tree, and the great desires I have for its protection for all time, I convey entire possession of itself, and all lands within eight feet of the tree on all sides." William H. Jackson. Unquote. Nowadays, the tree that owns itself is actually technically the son of the tree that owns itself, though people usually drop the first clause in conversation. The original tree fell down in 1942 after an ice storm damaged it beyond repair, but the people of Athens missed it so much they replaced it with a seedling grown from one of the original tree's acorns. Today, that seedling is more than 50 feet tall, and it's cared for by the Junior Ladies' Garden Club of Athens. Now, it's not technically legal to own property if you're a tree down in Athens, Georgia, but it's something of a gentleman's agreement, or gentleman. Trees Agreement, or General Trees Agreement, as it were, that the government continues to respect the tree's autonomy. Now all it needs is an wife.
1: (laughs) That was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Read about today's stories and more on curiosity.com.
0: Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily to learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious